My name is Bear Siragusa, and you are listening to the Hunting Hound Podcast, presented by W Hunting Supply. Okay, finally, it's this feels good to be sitting down and doing one of these again. I've had a, a long, long break, so it's uh, I've been itching to do it and i couldn't think of anybody else better to to get back into it with me than than with bob with you bob guest today is bob plot who's been on the podcast i th- we i think we figured it out twice before <laughs> right right and uh well it's my honor i mean it, it, i love what you're doing Oh, I, pr- I appreciate it. Like likewise, it's been a lot's happened for both of us. I think since the uh, last time we talked, you had uh, you you were almost no more. You had a rough, uh, real rough run in with some with uh, the COVID. Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of an understatement to tell you the truth. Uh, I had. September, early September, I started feeling really tired and just really equated it to the fact I was working seven days a week at that time. And uh, I noticed that my feet, the bottom of my feet, had turned orange. Literally, I looked like a Clemson or Tennessee football jersey. Wow. uh, They were kind of swollen and hurt. And um, so I just started getting really listless and I was working from home so I could still work, but I just had no energy. I loved to eat normally and wasn't eating anything. And so anyway, long story longer, I just literally fell down on September 12th and knocked myself out. I was so weak and they rushed me to the hospital and they found out that I had COVID and they had pneumonia. And so I spent that, that trip I spent over about a week in intensive care and then another week in a regular ward and they let me come home for a few days and I got even worse. Fell down again, had another severe concussion, busted my right eardrum and um, rushed back to the hospital again and spent another week in intensive care and another week in regular ward and so I'll told I spent about a month in the hospital, lost 71 pounds in three weeks. Wow. Literally had to learn how to walk again. I mean, when I got out, I could not stand up on my own. And so I went through physical therapy and um, just completely still really weak from losing all that weight. And so um, then lost my job because I was sick, no other reason. So had to sell our house and move and so that was tough and it couldn't really be of much help there. My wife and son did just a tremendous job of really pulling all that together and that meant for them. I don't know what I've done. Great. And um wow. we finally got relocated and got settled in and so that was in the back right before Thanksgiving and since then I've really been focusing on working out. I've started back writing again and Missed a few articles in the magazine, but got those back on track and mm-hmm. trying to work on a book and some different things and um, doing some wood carving again. But it's been it's been really really rough. I mean, even now I still 
Um, you know, by the end of the day, I'm still, I've got long, what they call long COVID, which is, I still have some symptoms and not obviously not contagious or anything, but my feet are still really, not orange anymore, but they're really, I feel like, I don't know if I have neuropathy in my feet or now they're, they're doing some tests on that, but, uh, my B12 levels are still low. I'm having to still get B12 shots. And, but, you know, all in all, man, I'm doing a whole lot better. And Good. the first year I hadn't hunted since I was a kid, you know, so that was last year was, that was rough. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm back on, on track, hopefully. And I appreciate you asking. Yeah, well, I mean, you sound you sound good, which is great. To, it's great to hear you. It's great to hear you back. You know, at least at least well, upright you. again. Because yeah, you you had uh, you got some you got your butt kicked. I was pretty worried about you there for I think well, yeah, all of us were pretty worried about you there for a little while. It was it looked <laughs> it, was, it was looking pretty hairy. So I'm, I'm, it really was, yeah. and after. I, and I appreciate that because, and you know, I guess I'm just so stupid or hard-headed one or both that I just never, I never really thought that I was going to die until um, the doctor came in one day and on intensive care, and I think the first time, maybe the second time, I don't remember. That's another thing, a lot of stuff I can't even remember, but um, he... <laughs> He came in and I said, man, you got to do something with my feet, doctor. And I said, man, my feet are all swollen up and they're orange. And what's up with that? And he's looking square in the face. And he said, son, you got a lot more stuff to worry about than your feet. We got to worry about keeping you alive at this point. And right. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you know, so uh, that was kind of a, I think I realized then. I mean, I knew, I, I mean, you know, they don't put you in intensive care for nothing, but right. you know, I knew I was week and all but i don't know I, I guess you just don't want to think or admit that that kind of thing can happen to you but i, I had so many i had several friends die COVID. yeah so did the I. guy that i caught it from he's 90 years old and he just barely had a cold i mean he had no you know no severe because i'm glad and no problems at all from it and it dang near killed me so right twice so you know, who knows? And that's what they told me. They said, we're just, you know, this whole thing is just such an unknown territory that we just, you know, we're learning. In fact, they took pictures of my feet because they said they'd never seen, they knew that was a result of COVID, but they didn't know, um, never seen that before. Right. So, oh, wow. That's interesting. Know, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's scary. It's scary. And, but I was, it uh, was, yeah, it, it kind of, it, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about while I while I had you was you've um, you mentioned uh, just now that you lost that you lost your job that they as mm-hmm. soon as you got sick they they yeah I don't know how they would probably the the PC way to put it is went another direction <laughs> which is you know yeah that's <laughs> that's putting it nicely putting uh, it nicely yeah didn't didn't have the decent yeah, they didn't have the decency to call me and tell me or wait till I got out of the hospital. The first day that I let them know I was in the hospital and I, you know, couldn't do much from intensive care, I got an email saying you're fired. Thanks. Wow. See you. And uh, so it was. Uh, yeah, that was rough. But you know, hey, it's. Uh, I guess the bright side of that is is that I had started this side company. Few years ago, Mountain Memories Productions, mm-hmm. and 
COVID had, had shut it down in 2019 when the pandemic hit, but it was going pretty good. And so my, my plan always was to, at some point, go start back doing that full time and um, getting, you know, getting fired like that just forced me to do it sooner. And I you know, luckily got a great, great business partner who really stepped up to the plate and helped out a lot and, and still, you know, helped me a ton. He's, in fact, he's a 50-50 partner in the business and it's really taken off. We're excited about it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about it because it's, um, I've seen, you know, seen some of what you're posting on, on Facebook and have, uh, you know, tried to share the web address or, you know, the, like the website and things like that with the, with the listeners of the podcast. And it's, I mean, you've got some exciting stuff coming up, some great, some great music and some great, uh, great, um, yeah, seminars. And, and you're also doing this, um, the, the thing that I was most excited about, uh, which I guess makes sense, is the the Plot Fest, which is, uh, you've changed the name to the Plottoberfest. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, oh, I am too. And so excited because we were limited. And, well, we did Plot Fest for the past two years at the, with the company I was working for, but we were sort of limited and what we could do because it had to revolve around people staying at their venues and really more tailored to their needs, I felt like, than what the people's needs. And it, but it still worked well. And we had last year, we had 21 people from 21 different states and, and Canada attended. So it was growing by leaps and bounds. And we knew that even if I had stayed in a previous job, yeah. we knew that, um, that, we were, we were probably going to have to move to a bigger place. And so uh, we decided we still wanted to you know, obviously still do this. And so the Mountain Memories Productions deal allowed me to do that or us to do that as well as all the programs and stuff that I was doing before, like the Strike and Stay Story, the Plot Hound mm-hmm. uh, program. Uh, so I mean, do that too. I've got about six or seven of those booked over the next few months doing one April 15th. In Lenore, North Carolina, and another one in May in Lenore, and another one in two in May, actually, one in the States for in May, and another one in Lenore in May again. So, real excited about that. But back to the uh, plot, plot fest, it's as you said, we we worked with the Haywood County Historical Society and Genealogical Society in the town of Canton. Canton has been through some really rough times. They've had two big floods in the past 10 years. I mean, literally sent one, you know, 100-year type floods. And oh. and now the big, the, the largest employer in the county has shut down or will shut down within a month. So those folks have been through some tough times. And they've got a great mayor there, uh, Zeb Smathers, and his father, Pat Smathers, was the mayor before him. Anyway, they've gotten, they're just totally committed to the town and and there's a real rich history of German immigrants coming into Haywood County, as in North Carolina. And of course, the, the Plot family, of course, was German. Sure. And uh, so they were one of the early settlers in Haywood County, along with the Smathers and the Shooks and the Messers, and, right. and all those folks were Germans as well. That was Henry. So Plot, they came it? up with that. 
Henry Platt was my great great uncle. He came into Haywood County. Now my yeah. my third great grandfather, George Platt, um, he came directly from Germany. Well, Henry did, well Henry, uh, Henry was born in North Carolina, but uh, but even and you know records and stuff show him even still being referred to as the old German, even though he was born in America. And oh, gotcha. uh, evidently, evidently, they still spoke a lot of German in the house because uh, George, you know, still spoke German pretty much to his death, even though he spoke English as well. But mm-hmm. uh, so, yes, so there was a real rich history of that. And as a matter of fact, there's a cove where, right, not too far from where Henry Plot settled the first time before he went to what's now Flock Creek, was an area known today as Dutch Cove. And a lot of people thought it was called Dutch Cove because maybe some people from Holland or the Netherlands lived there. But the truth was that the the uh, American other settlers there heard the, the Germans talk about the Deutschland or the fatherland, and they took it to mean that they were talking about Dutch. Okay. And so <laughs> they kind of uh, anglicized <laughs> Deutsch to Dutch. Right. And, uh, and so that became Dutch Cove, but it was really Deutsch Cove, which was a German word for the fatherland or sure. the homeland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so, so there's a real, real rich German history there. So basically, we're going to do a four-day festival, which in the town of Canton has really helped us out a lot. Uh, we, instead of us having to foot the bill for the whole thing, they're paying for the bands and, and working with us on a lot of stuff. So we're going to do a... Um, I'll do a program on Thursdays, the flight dog program, just kind of kick things off. And we've got some kind of low-key stuff going on Thursday. Friday, things really kick off with a lot of different historical programs, mm-hmm. a big concert Friday night. And then Saturdays, just all day long, the dog events. That really kind of like the, the whole concept of the original plot fest we'll have. UKC bench show. We'll have um, one one dog mechanical bear bay, two dog, three dog mechanical bear bay, cool. one, two, and three dog mechanical uh, mechanical but stuffed coon bays. Mm-hmm. We'll have um, all sorts of we'll give awards. Methane award will be given out. Of course, it's already been given out one time, but we'll do a separate award for it here. The Robert Henry Plot Award will be given out. The Plot Patriot Award will be given out. And we have a round table, which I always really enjoy doing with a lot of the older uh, plot guys who have been, had plot dogs for over 50 years, uh, come on stage and I moderate it and just kind of ask them questions and just some really great stuff there. There's a guy down in South Carolina named Dan Long that's uh, had plot hounds for, gosh, probably 55, 60 years. And, Wow. That guy is the best storyteller, man. He he should be on TV or on stage. He is just hilarious, and uh, so he's just a real great guy. And just and just to be all sorts of people like that there, and um, we'll have more concerts Saturday night. So we have concerts Friday and Saturday night. We've got one whole street uh, closed down for vendors. Uh, Gary Beatty of GP's Home Supplies will have a complete. Trailer there full of uh, everything from collars and leads to tracking gear. And Gary's been really good to us for 
getting us a lot of raffle information, uh, information, but goods to sell and let us keep the money to put back into Flop Fest. Wow. Uh, he's just a really amazing guy. And Gary Bowen helps out with the, um, all the dog events, really does a super job with that. He's got a lot of folks helping him. And Gene Walker usually comes and is a judge for our, our UKC dog show, so that's good. And can't say enough about um, Alan Gingrich with UKC for helping us out, um, getting that going because there had been some conflict with some dates at the same time. And we were kind of locked into this date because – of the swing camp and wanted to do it and they were providing so much funding for it that we really couldn't change it. Sure. So he made some changes and helped us with that a lot, which I really appreciated. Oh, so it's just been a really, you know, it's like everything else, you know, it just takes a team of people to do all this and we've got a great team. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. I'm, I'm excited about it, you know, cause I'm, I've been trying for the last two years to make it over there for fl- for Plot Fest, and I've just never been able to make it happen. Um, and this year, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm really kind of well, what, what would you put? What would, how would you put it? I guess <clears throat> hell bent on getting there. Um, <laughs> talk to well, weird. Yeah, I'm going to talk to my work this week and tell them that I need those dates off, and then I'm going to buy buy my tickets right away so i should actually have an answer for you here a concrete yes or no within uh within the next three or four days i hope well i just made my day i tell you that's uh something that obviously you know we've talked about for a while and you will definitely win the prize for person coming from the longest distance away that's the for sure away. um <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh last year alex we had we had some folks there from San Diego, California, and some folks from Canada. Mm-hmm. And actually, the folks from San Diego probably won the prize, even though they were in the United States, but they literally had to come across the entire country, whereas the lady from Canada just lived right across the Canadian border and above New York State. So, oh, okay. gotcha. but anyway, we had, like I said, we had people there from, from 21 states and, and in Canada, so now we can hopefully add to that this year with you coming from Norway. So that's, that's exciting, man. And, and you know, it's, I feel like I know you. We, we've talked so much and exchanged so many emails and messages over the years, but to yeah. actually sit down around a, a campfire and talk and meet face to face and you can't know, wait for it. Yeah. Share a beverage and a, a, a dinner, man, or something. That'd be cool. Oh, I can't wait for it. I'm just, uh, I'm so jazzed about it. You know, I, I was. You know, yeah, like you say, we've talked off and on for for years. Actually, a lot longer, oddly, a lot longer than I've been involved in the hounds. You know, because I had yeah, yeah, I had pneumonia way back in like when was that? That was a long time ago. That was probably two thousand fourteen, maybe. It was a while ago. Mm, Yeah, it's been at least that long. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, I had pneumonia and just. stumbled upon your book while I had pneumonia mm-hmm. and that was strike and stay. And I read the whole thing lying on the couch with a fever and then immediately read the whole thing again and then sent you a message saying, you know, I, I, you don't know me from Adam, but I just wanted to say I really enjoyed and really enjoyed your book. 
And I think that was probably, you know, you look back at life and there's these small moments that seem totally insignificant that end up having major significance later on when you look back on them. And I think that was probably one of those moments in my life where, you know, I was deep into the sled dogs at that point and, you know, doing really, uh, really sort of take my whole life was that, but that was probably the moment where the, the, the hounds and the thoughts of thought about running hounds and plots and, you know, specifically plots kind of, you know, entered my purview, entered my, you know, my, my consciousness. And, uh, yeah, here, here we are almost 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember it well there. I mean, I, 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 yeah, one thing that really fascinated me, I remember the, remember the message vividly because one thing I always try to do is if, you know, if anybody's kind enough to send me an email or write me a letter or send me a message or whatever, you know, I always try to respond to it. Now, sometimes I'm sorry I did because, you know, uh, but not much. Most of the time, 99% of the time, the, you know, everybody that does that is generally, genuinely good people and, right. and, and really saying nice things, you know, which you really appreciate. But, and particularly when you see somebody that's a, a, a seasoned dog person like yourself. And, and I've always been, don't know anything much about it other than just what little bit I've read, but I've always been fascinated with sled dogs and I did a ride and all that sort of thing. So when you were telling me you did that, and I was like, man, this is cool. You know, this guy knows dogs. And, um, and then the other thing was that, uh, you know, I remember you telling me about you read it with the fever and, and, and then you read it after you were better. And I thought to myself, well, I'm glad you read it after you were better because, you know, the fever, you may have thought it was good and it really wasn't that good. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, but yes, but I was just, you know, I was really, really thrilled that you liked it. And, uh, and, you know, just, I don't know, sometimes you just, even though I wasn't, obviously wasn't meeting face to face, I just had a good feeling about what you were doing and what your intentions were. And you seemed like you were, really trying to learn you know you obviously knew how to handle dogs and train dogs because i mean you know dogs are dogs i mean right. you know they're different breeds are different breeds and but uh if you can get that sort of performance out of sled dogs and know how to take care of them and that sort of thing you can certainly do the same thing with a plot handler i think you can anyway and you've certainly proven that <laughs> amazingly well so well, and you know and i, I would add real quick well, no, and I'll add real quick, too, that, I mean, you know, you talk about things that were life-changing. It was life-changing for me, too, because not only did we become, you know, I think, good friends, but, mm. you know, I think part of that result has been, you know, I've, I've been so appreciative and so uh, impressed with what you and your son have done in terms of um, you know, the work with promoting Plot Hound in Norway and actually getting the the NKC over there to recognize the plot. And I know that was no easy task. So, yeah, was, uh, <laughs> so yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I appreciate to, to that. do that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, no, I mean, I, I, I am dead serious. You know, uh, cause I know, I mean, I know how it can be dealing with some of these clubs, you know, and, 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 and it's like you said, I mean, you just had to take no a million times and just keep not stopping until, and showing them the proof and showing them the proof and you did that and by golly you got it done and and you know I'm happy to say that it looks like your your dogs the first one registered under that name and the plot in Norway so 
that's no small achievement. And you guys have done a great job hunting with them too. I mean, the fact you can only run one dog over there is, uh, uh, that's a challenge. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've never liked to run a whole big, huge pack myself. I'm, I, you know, I've never hunted. I'm, I've hunted with people, you know, other hunters that had a dog or two where you end up having a pretty good sized pack of dogs, but I never, usually never take more than two, three at the most of my own dogs because I just don't think you can really do them justice. Um, right. So, you know, for, to, for you guys to do that too and the conditions you're hunting in and the you know, extreme cold and snow and that sort of thing, hey man, kudos to you, brother. That's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that, Bob. I really do. And, it, you know, the, the inspiration for the whole thing really came from from reading – yeah, you know, first that book and then your other books as well. It's just been so, <clears throat> you know, I'm a, my degree is in history. So that's, that's what kind of sucked me into it in the first place was, it may have actually been what I, what I, what I had searched for when I stumbled across your book was East Coast history. You know, because I'm from the East Coast and I'm very in, you know, that was my degree was in history. So I wanted to, you know, I, I'm always reading books like that. And then suddenly yeah, this popped up too. and I was like, oh, it's a history about a dog breed. I like dogs. And, you know, and uh, had no idea that it was going to snowball into, you know, 10 years later, me with my second plot and, you know, having gotten kind of so involved in the the sort of legislative part of things uh, over here. I never could have uh, could have foreseen that. You know, but at the same time, you know, if my first interactions with both the plot breed and houndsmen in general had been negative, I probably wouldn't have been here. But, you know, you were super welcoming, super forthcoming with information. And then, not just then, but when I started getting into hounds myself, even though the first couple I got weren't plots, you were a wealth of information just in terms of, you know, how to get them to, you know, how to apply some of the knowledge I had from the sled dogs to the the hounds. And, you know, when I finally did uh, get a plot and, you know, first Dan and now, um, you know, this Amos dog that, you know, you were mm-hmm. so welcoming and so kind and not just to me, you know, especially with this Amos dog, you know, I really, really appreciated it that when my son asked if he could name because I sat down and was reading uh, Strike and Stay to my son because he wanted a plot. And, I, and he, I, somebody had contacted me and asked if I was interested in a plot puppy and uh, just kind of got me on the right moment. And I said, well, yeah. And uh, you know, ended up getting this Amos uh, plot, which is uh, this Amos dog, which is... Uh, um, at, uh, his, his, both of his po- folks are from the Ursus Kennel out of BC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And was reading Strike great, and Stay great to my dog son. Dog. Oh, great, great dogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. They're, uh, uh, but yeah, was reading Strike and Stay, and my son said, Oh, I th- Amos, that's a great name because we, we read, which would have been Henry's son. Is that correct? Right, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my son was well, like, oh, I'd like I think he had. Right, son. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And well, my son asked, you know, I'd lo- 
Amos is such a great name. Can I can I name him Amos? And I said, well, I, I can't imagine why not. And, you know, before I could say, but maybe you should, you know, ask his descendants. He's like, you know what? I, do you, you know the guy who wrote this book? And I said, yeah. And he said, he's related to Amos, right? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, could, could you send him a message and ask him if he'd be okay with it? I said, well, yeah, of course, of course, I, of course I will. And I did. And you were just so warm and and good to him about it. And uh, he was just tickled, tickled pink that you let him call, that you gave him your blessing. And it just made the whole thing that much more, you know, special for him. It's such a big part of the story when he tells people, you know, he's so proud of that pup. And, you know, part of what makes him proud is that he, you know, feels like he kind of got your blessing to... Uh, to to call him to call him Amos. Well, I, you know, I, I'm proud of him. I mean, and he certainly, you know, I I appreciated the fact that he was considerate enough to to and respectful enough to even suggest that or ask that because you know I don't own the name and um, he couldn't be could have named it and not asked me and I would have been fine with that you know I mean it certainly would have offended me in the least particularly with being your son but the fact that he was so respectful about it and went about it in that way was just I thought so cool and Mm. I think you know it's inspiring to me to see to me that's what this whole thing's about Mm. it always has been you know the whole purpose of writing the first book and the other five books were to you know, perpetuate that legacy to try to share the truth, as I know anyway, with with people and and you know, and challenge them to if they dis- disagree with it to prove me wrong. You know, I mean, because I've never been the type of person to be, you know, if somebody comes up and goes, well, "That's wrong." Okay, well, show me where it's wrong. Prove it. Right. And if they can, I'll I'll shake their hand and say, "Man, thanks so much for for showing me that." You know, I'm learning because. You know, I think you know, you gotta learn you're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. If you're not, you're dying, you know. So yeah. um I've always taken I've always taken pride in that, which is one thing, unfortunately, that you know, I ran into a lot of obstacles when I was writing that book and after it came out because there were just so many people that were so set in their own ways. But, you know, it's understandable because, you know, the first yearbook that came out in nineteen fifty nine had 10 different plot origin stories in it, and all 10 of them were just drastically different, and people just got to the point where they were just choosing what they wanted to believe, and if, right. particularly if they got dogs from a breeder who shared the same creation story, then, you know, they'd fight you over it, and, oh, yeah. and it was so much of it was just not just not just wrong, but blatantly wrong, you know? And so so I, I just really wanted to try to... to and I felt like that most people would be like you, you know, if you if you're sharing information with people, they will take it and dissect it and and digest it and, and use it and and kind of form their own opinions. But some people would just no, no, not go listen, not go listen. And uh yep. and that's fine, you know, but but going back to your son, it, it it's just no, it was really really inspirational to me to you know, that came about the same time when I was starting to recover and still not feeling real well. And so it really meant a lot that 
he would be that respectful and and not just be respectful, but actually, I, you know, the fact that the young man saved money from the time he was, I love your story about, you know, kid says he wants a dog at seven years old. You're like, yeah, sure, save your money. Yeah. And, you know, you think, I've got a, I'm, a fa- I'm, I'm a father, too. You figure, yeah, yeah, right, he'll forget about that and buy him a transformer or something tomorrow. Right, you know? Exactly. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, no, nah, yeah, the kid, you know, stuck to it, man, and was tenacious and persistent and saved his money till he was 11 years old to have enough to buy a really fine bloodline of dogs. Yep. And, um, and, 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 you know, did it himself and, and, and it's 11 years old. So that's just awesome, you know? And, and I think, and then, so, you know, he showed that persistence that we all appreciate in the plot hound, you know? Right, and, exactly. Yes. And, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so for, so for him to do that and you to support him like that and then to allow him to do it and follow through on your promise, which, at that point, you used to about had to. I mean, oh, he had he had me <laughs> but, over uh, a barrel for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying, man. I mean, you know, you've been the the, the yeah. bad guy of the year had you not come, you know, come through with that. Deal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know it was just like, that, but, uh, he came to me with it, and it was just like he's like, you know, I, somebody offered you a plot, and I said, yeah, they they did. And he said, well, I I'd like that. I would like a pup from that litter. I was like, well, I bet, I bet you would. And he said, no, I, I, that's the pup I want. And I said, well, okay, how much have you saved? And he like had it all written down. It was like, well, darn, I, you, you, you have enough. He was just, I was just like, you got me there, sir. You got me. You got me. He's like, yep, that's that's the pup I want. I was like, all right, okay, I'll I'll let him know. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy been, deal right here. Yeah, it's it's it was too funny. It was too funny. I pre because I thought the same thing. I was like, well, darn! If I had a dog that was as tenacious as this kid, I'd be all I'd be all set. Maybe I'll start you put a GPS call yeah. on him instead. You know. <laughs> so no, he's well, uh, I'm super proud of him. He did a he did a good good job with that, and he's doing such a good job with his pup. You know, he's taking just excellent excellent care of it, and. You know, getting him out, going on long walks, even in this, you know, these horrendous snow conditions we've got here, got, you know, just getting dumped on this year. It's just been rough. And yeah. he's just, yeah, out in all kinds of conditions, all kinds well, of weather. It's great. It's so cool. It's so cool to see. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm not surprised. I mean, because, you know, based on what I already knew and what you told me, um, yeah, he's going to be. You know, he's cool. Again, it's all about perpetuating legacy. So it, 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 it's like I tell people all the time. I think I may have mentioned this in one of the previous shows. You know, it's not just about the plot family. It's not just about my family. It's not just about my relatives. It's about a whole bunch of other people that help my family perpetuate that breed. And right. you know, that goes back to the very start. And it's, it's happening now. I mean, you, you and your son are, classic examples of that you know and it's appreciated because quite frankly if it wasn't for folks like you guys the breed would probably be obsolete you know i mean yeah. i mean it would probably be nothing more than a regional phenomenon uh, you know maybe known well fairly well here in north carolina maybe in the southeast but to have national and worldwide notoriety that enjoys today is due entirely because of people like you and people who 
aren't related to the plot family. I mean, I did a, I, don't think, I may have told this story before, but I do these programs, you know, and, and I was doing a program to a middle school class. There's about 200 kids and, and well, 200 people total, most of them middle school age kids. And there was a county school superintendent in Jackson County mm-hmm. and teachers and everything else, you know, it was a good crap. And most of the time when I do programs with kids, particularly age, you have to try to find something that's going to attract their attention or hold their attention. And, you know, the stories are good. And, and I was real, I've always been real pleased when the Jackson County librarian came to the book signing I was doing and bought about 20 books one day. And she said that those, I said, why? Well, I'm glad you're buying these, but why are you buying so many? And she said, well, they're the only books I can get most of the kids and particularly the boys in my, school to read. So I thought, wow, that's cool. But, um, so I, that made me feel good. But when I was doing this program, I started thinking about, okay, what is it that, you know, what, how can I make this, them understand that this is not just my story, so, or our story as a family. So I then sat down the night before I went to the program, and I just jotted down on a legal pad I think I counted about 150 names. I just started with A and went through Z mm-hmm. and came up with about 125, 150 names of people who were, they may, a couple of them may have been cousins, but most of them were not related by blood to the Platt family at all, who had been, who played pretty integral roles in the development of the breed in America mm-hmm. and all up to today. And so, but particularly in Western North Carolina and in Wallowa, North Carolina. So anyway, wrote that down. And so the next day, I just, I don't know, I didn't even really know why I was doing it. It just struck me as something I should do. And then when I was driving there, more like it, it occurred to me that what, how I should do it. So at one point during the program, I told him, I said, okay, look, uh, you know, this is, how many of y'all have plot hounds? And, it was maybe out of 200, there may have been four or five that didn't. And there may have been 15 or 20 that had seen him before, understood a little bit about him. But as usual, most of them didn't really know a whole lot about it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, I want you to know this is your story, too. And they said, well, that's kind of my story. I said, okay, let's play a game. I'm going to read these names on this list. And as I read them, if that is your last name, or if you are related to someone by that last name, I want you to stand up and don't sit down too long until you read the list. So I read the entire list, and by the time I finished that entire list, every single person in the auditorium was standing up. Hmm. And of course, they were all kind of like looking around at each other like, well, what does this mean? And I said, well, what this means is, is that one of your ancestors or one of your direct relatives or descendants um, had something to do with this it had in a big way, in an important way. So whether you have a plot dog or not, or whether you ever own one, the truth is that you and your family, or your family anyway, played a very important role in this. It equally as important as my family did because if it just been left up to us, we would probably still have the dogs and probably still hunt them, but they would never be as as 
you know, worldwide famous or gained the worldwide notoriety that they enjoy today. Right. And so all these kids are like high fiving each other. You're like, yeah, all right, it's us. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so, 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 cool. so it's, uh, yeah, so I mean, so I think that's the same sort of thing. So, so now, I mean, you guys can add your name to that list because, I mean, you're doing something over there that, uh, you know, in a completely different continent, country, that yeah. nobody else is doing or very few people are doing and, and continuing that legacy and perpetuating that legacy that began, you know, centuries ago. And interestingly enough, not too far from where it all began. So, yeah, that's, um, that's so I think of, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. It's a funny part of it too. And, you know, I, 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 I appreciate, you know, all the, the kind words it's, it's, you know, I needed when I, you know, I won't go into the whole story again, cause it's most, most people have heard it multiple times, but when I, you know, I got injured on the job and when that happened, I had to stop running the sled dogs and, you know, I needed something to not just fill that void in terms of, you know, the ability to train dogs, but also something where I could put the significant amount of energy that I put into the sled dogs. I needed something to put that energy into that I felt was worth, was worth doing. And, you know, the, the, when I realized that, and that was, I started that before I even had a plot myself, uh, the the process of getting them recognized Mm -hmm. by the, by the Norwegian Kennel Club and, and, um, that's been a really interesting story and it's not over yet. The, 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 they've, they're, they're bucking me again, which I'm a little disappointed about. Oh, no. I thought I was done, but, um, now the, the conditions now are that the dogs, the parents of the dogs need to be AKC registered. So, you know, UKC, no go, you know, PKC, no go. It's got to be AKC registered for them to accept it into their registry. Um, so I, uh, well, I would, I would, I would think that the, and I don't, yeah, I don't know this for a fact, but knowing the Ursus line a little bit and knowing the reputation they had and the fact that they were buckskin proponents. I would bet that that some at least some of those dogs were registered with AKC. Yep, some of them um, were. Some of them, I do. Yep. Yeah. But um, so that made. I'm still working on getting. Of course, I don't know about the the documentation. Yeah, that I I am going to need uh, as I'm as I'm getting Amos um, registered in the in the Norwegian Kennel Club. He he will be registered in the Norwegian Kennel Club uh, if I need to sit down and start writing a hundred emails a week again. <laughs> I'm going to start to, I'll do it. No. You know, whatever, whatever it takes. But you know, it's, you know, you mentioned it earlier. It, it's, it's really interesting where you can come, you know, you have, you have, you can present evidence with that is with documentation to back it up. And yet that evidence mm-hmm. will just meet this wall of, of, you know, opinion and ignorance 
that, you know, almost regardless of what you do, you're not, you're not going to be able to convince that person that they're wrong. You know, it's like you had an example in, no, no, no. in one of your books about the, um, uh, the guy who wrote, he wrote an article originally in the forties and then it was published in the, in the, um, that 1959, uh, yearbook, um, mm-hmm. uh, claiming that the, um, the plot hound was dying out and that realistically it should have been called the Blevins hound. Um, and you know, it's like, it's so easy to document that that is blatantly false. It's not, you know, it's not so well, your opinion, it's, it's wrong. It's like, that's, it's not accurate. And, you know, I've got similar stuff over here where it's just like, well, the, the plot hound is just, uh, uh, you know, a, a mixed breed, you know, a Hanoverian cross. It's like, no, it's not, you know, or, well, a plot hound, you know, there was even, a uh, um, someone tried to, and, and this had nothing to do with me at all. I, this, this happened before I came on board. So, you, you know, there's a bunch of other people over here, you know, it's, it's easy for me to talk about, you know, things that have happened since I came here and, and, you know, most of the, a lot of those things I've been involved in, but before I came here, we dodged some major bullets uh, you know, the, uh, we, as in how, um, plot men over here, you know, there was mm-hmm. a, there was a push at one point to include the plot hound in the list of banned dogs in Norway because they I were bred. Really? Yeah. Cause they were bred to hunt and run down and kill black bears. And they wanted to put them in the <laughs> same. Yeah, it was that was that was what it said. And they wanted to put them in the same category as they put like the Doggo Argentino, and the Cane Corsos, um, and the uh, Fila Brasileiro. You know, the some of these South American dogs right, that, hunt, right, um, right. that hunted big cats and hunted jaguars, and then you know, or hunted escaped slaves and things like that you know those a lot of those breeds are banned here pit bulls are banned here and you know it's it's based off of just all most of the time it's based off of false information and fear and i mean we by the skin of our teeth held on to the plot here um and you know that was due to you know, the, some hard work by some very, very dedicated plot guys, you know, um, John Steiner Vungen, who I just had on the podcast, actually the last podcast I did before my wife became ill, you know, he, he is, you know, you talk about, if you look back at like the, the foundation members of plotdom over here, you know, he's got to mm-hmm. be, you got you got to include his name. You know, he's been such a proponent of the plot and such a, such a dedicated, uh, campaigner for not just hunting actively with them and, you know, showing what they're capable of, but also, you know, importing genetic, you know, the genetics that a lot of people have these days, you know, and, and then another guy is the Swedish, uh, the Swedish guy, the first guy that imported a plot over to 
Sweden or Norway. Um, and that's Rasmus Bullström, who I've also had on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, that guy's the mm-hmm. godfather of plot hounds in Scandinavia. Like without, without him, you know, maybe someone else would have come along and done it. But as the store, as the history is now without him, there would, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have come when they came. Wow. You know, so those guys busted their butts and do a just fantastic job of, you know, making sure that they, it's not a fashion statement. You know, some people will start importing dogs and just as a fashion statement, you know, but these guys are, are pure bred just it's in their it's in their dna at this point these guys are plot guys in the best in the absolute best way you know they'll they're as gritty as their dogs they hunt their dogs actively all the time they do good they're they're breeding good dogs you know they're really you know without serious guys like that who you know uh they, the plot wouldn't be what it is over here, and it's it's gaining in popularity. You know, last year, a couple of years ago, I think there was only two, th- maybe three plot litters in Scandinavia, and this year mm-hmm. I know of like seven or eight. Um, great, That's and great. they're not just like what somebody's got lying around. You know, these are these are of parents from, you know. A, a lot of good kennels, you know, places, you know, dogs imported yeah, from Steve yeah. Moore, or John Lockhart, or uh, Gary Hosker, before, you know, the late Gary Hosker, or I guess, you know, all, all three of right, those guys right. are late as of recently. Yeah, both John and Steve died. Not, That's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. imported from, from good people. And, you know, it's when we talk about plots in Scandinavia, it's easy to talk you know, it's, it's, you know, I, with the podcast that I've got and my presence on social media and things like that, it's, it's kind of, it can be easy for people to get, I think the wrong idea in some ways that I, you know, that, you know, I, I came over and started making waves over here. That's, uh, that's not the case. I, I came over and stood, uh, I'm standing on the shoulders of some great dogmen who have, done all the legwork to you know make the plot a legit uh you know legit sought after dog over here it's this isn't something you know this is not a you know this is not a niche thing in the same way that it was 15 20 years ago no yeah. And it's and you know, and, and it's not about you and it's not about them either, which is another thing I think it's I find great about it. I mean, you guys aren't doing this for egos or or to promote yourselves and um I think that we're all standing on the shoulders of you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of not only my family but people like those guys and people like Bud Lyons who is a great mentor of mine who had the foresight to record a lot of the stuff that conclusively proved the, the truth about Blevins dogs and yep. different things like that. So, um, so you know, I, I think, and I, and I think I found in a way that that's what is what you know. Ninety nine percent. I feel like ninety eight, ninety ninety five to ninety eight percent of 
the folks in the plot dog world are just like those guys you just mentioned in yourself. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're dedicated. They're, they're fiercely loyal to the breed. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to do the right thing. They're learning. And, you know, and I, and I just give them my heartfelt thanks. As a matter of fact, the, the guys you mentioned that are still living over there, please extend my sincere thanks to them and to you as well for, for everything that you're doing and that they're doing. Because like you say, I mean, you came over there to kind of now carry on what they started and your son's going to carry it on for you and yep. other people that you will inspire and it will carry it on. And, and that's what it takes. And, and that's why that's really what I love about it. And that's, and that's really the one thing that I like about plot fest. I'm not taking anything away from any of the other, uh, big breed activities mm-hmm. that different clubs have. They're good in their own right, but we really try to focus more on that as far as, you know, this is, we're not limiting this to, you know, if you, if you've got a great show dog, Hey, come on, you're welcome. You know, if you've got a search and rescue dog, come on. If you got a great hunting dog, come on. Yep. If it's just your pet, Hey, we're, we're there for you, man. We're about, we're about promoting the breed yep. and the people that, that support it, you know? And so I just, you know, I can't think, guys like you and them enough for doing that and and getting back to the clubs a second you have to be persistent and you have been and they have been because you know to have those um make those sort of assumptions is just ridiculous because anybody that has ever seen a plot hound knows that you don't send a plot hound to kill a bear i mean that's just ridiculous i mean that makes to be extinct if that was the case they're just not that big but um and that's what makes them so special they're smart enough to to be great you know just to, to strike a trail and stick to it but and they're and, and to stick to the game at the tree or at bay but they're smart enough to not get hurt hopefully or not get killed you know so right. um that's that's just um the shame that that people get those sort of preconceived notions and that you have to to fight so hard to just prove them as much as live it's just common sense but but god bless you guys for doing it because that's what it takes and and we went through the same thing i don't want to be dead horse on this because it's been talked to death but you know we went through the same thing with the with the buckskin situation yeah yeah i was gonna ask you you about that yeah yeah. I mean, I mean, that was just, uh, you know, I, I had really resigned myself to the fact that, that it would probably, I, I probably wouldn't see it in my lifetime. You know, I wouldn't see it change because I knew that the MPHA wasn't going to change it. They had set their guidelines up in such a way that it'd be almost impossible to change. And so I just used what I had at my disposal, books and articles to just say this is crap man this is bs and here's why it is you know and it's just like you know one of the big ukc officials when i were having a conversation one time if you know bobby said there's 18 american purebred dogs and that are have predominantly brindle coats and the plot hound's one of them mm-hmm. and of that 18 I think, I think it's 18 18 or 19 he said that, he said, I've got 18 or 19. He says, there's only one that doesn't accept the buckskin in their, in their colors. 
standard. And you know who that is? And I'm like, yeah, I know who it is. And he said, you know how dumb that makes y'all look? Right. And I said, don't make me look dumb because I'm against it, have been against it. But I said, you yeah, know, but I hear what you're saying. And so I just made it my, you know, I made a lot of people mad. I got death threats, man. I mean, I, people just were so, that was so ingrained in their belief that they were right and I was wrong. Yeah. It didn't matter that I could show the first dogs registered. Well, some of them were buckskin. The dogs of the 1935 Ricky Hunt were buckskin. I mean, I can go on, 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 on. Sure, and yeah. I've got rabies records of plot family dogs in the 1930s and 40s. And people say, what does that mean? Well, it's got the color of the dog on the rabies records and their weight and their gender. And guess what? There were buckskins there. Yeah. You've know, got photographs, color photographs from the 60s to prove it. So, so you know, it, it's just fact, you know. And But it took... You know, like I said, the, the club itself, you know, UKC was putting pressure on, you know, the APA and the AKC had already approved it from the start, but uh, MPHA and, and um, UKC wouldn't, and UKC wanted to, but they really wanted to, they really wanted the club to make the decision to make it easier, and they wouldn't, and so finally UKC was, okay, fine, we're doing it. And thank God they did. But uh, I, I forever in that bit. And, and one of the guys there told me, he said, well, you know, one of the reasons we did, we got tired of hearing you write about it. It was embarrassing. Yeah. And I said, well, hey, that's what it takes. You know, and that's what it takes. So, so it, 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 it got done, you know. So, yeah, so it's, I can totally relate going through that. And I think actually what you're going through is even more difficult because, you know, at least these clubs accepted the fact over here, at least accepted the fact that the plot dog was a legitimate breed. It was its own breed. You know, you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're facing that this is just some mixed breed uh, mongrel, you know, that uh, is out here killing, you know, killing people and animals and everything else, you know. Right, yeah. That's a tough trail. The whole thing just blows me away, you know, because there's, <clears throat> there's some, th there are a couple of native, like as you know, na considered native breeds of hound, over here. That, um, that have kind of been holding on by the skin of their teeth, and in, in a lot of ways for for a while, in terms of just total numbers, mm -hmm. and genetic diversity, and things like that. You know, there's a, there's a couple of them. Thing, you know, dogs like the Schiller Hound. Or the, um, not so much the Schiller, but the, uh, uh, the Dunker, the Norwegian Dunker Hound, the Halden Hound is another one, super, super rare breed at this point. Um, and then there's another one called the Hegan Hound. And those are all like absolutely their own breeds, which I, I don't, I don't argue with. They, they are, they're fine hounds. I like them a lot. They... You know, they, there's a history behind them that's really cool, and I'm all for it. But because yeah. of the genetic, because there's so few of them, they started, there started to be some genetic issues. So they had to do some sort of yeah. breed maintenance breedings to other breeds mm -hmm. to bring in some genetic right. diversity. And yet those dogs yeah. from that first generation are registered, you know, they're registered 
Halden hounds or registered, you know, Hegan hounds. And that makes sense to me. But when you then have a dog that you know, you can, you have right on paper, it was planned via the Norwegian Kennel Club's channels to cross this in. You have a dog that is black and white, a mixed breed. You don't get any more mixed than a 50-50 cross. That, that's it. <laughs> and then you right. look at, you know, you look at my plot who has, who can trace its genetics back to the 1800s and you're like, no, you know, right. 400 years ago, that dog's ancestor was a Hanoverian. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like it's, it, you know, even if that's true, it doesn't make sense to me that they would then. Well, it's you know, not, it, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, the DNA test has proven that's not true. It's yep. conclusive proven that's not true. And, and it's just such, it's like politics today in America. Everything is just, everybody's so polarized. Nobody wants to listen to either side. Nobody wants to, you know, it's my right, it's my way or the highway. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. Right. It doesn't matter what, you know. And it's kind of the same way there. I mean, in the, the, the dog world sometimes, I mean, some of these folks just get so set in their ways that, you know, you can tell them the sky's blue, and no, it's not. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Yep. Yeah, but it is. No, it's not. You know, and it's just, you know, I mean, you just can't. I've had to learn the hard way that folks like that, you know, fortunately the kennel clubs here aren't like that, so you can deal with them, but, you know, some of the just general dog owners, general dog owner population are, and you, know, you just have to just say, well, you can't pick stupid and leave them alone, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I tried, here's the proof, if you think you're going to leave it, that's not good enough for you, then fine, I'm, I'm not going to waste it. The reason I don't get on message boards and 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 argue with people all day and all night long because I've got better things to do. You know, I mean, I tell people all the time: if you spend as much time in the woods with your dog as you do on message boards, arguing stupid crap, you know, you'd have the best dogs in the world. You know? Isn't that the um, truth? Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, so I just you know, I just and it's just it's so you know, it's a waste of energy and time. You know, so I just I just. And I, you know, I made the mistake early on, back in you know late nineties, early two thousands. I'd go on these message boards and say, "Okay, well, you know, if I've got this to prove something, then here's my here's how I can substantiate this." And you know, I just want you to know, I, you know, I respectfully disagree, and here's why. You know, oh, you know, you're a damn communist. You're this. You're that. I'm like, no, no, I'm just trying to, you know, show you some facts here, man, and yep. you know, hopefully you'll you know change your mind. And, and people just get hostile about it, you know. And, and I'm just not cut out that way, man. I mean, if you can show me something that's different or wrong, then hey, I will learn and and, and learn from it. So, yeah. But like I say, man, good good for you guys on the on what you're doing because I know I know from firsthand experience it's tough, and you guys have it even tougher because you're trying to get a really an entire breed established, which didn't be that hard considering every other kennel club in the world accepts them, you know, so. Right. Um, but. Yeah. You know, it's. Up, man. Keep it up. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to give up. And, you know, I, I've talking to all these other guys, you know, cause there's, you know, the guys that got it started and then there's guys who have, you know, not been in it for that long, but are just doing great, great things over here. 
you know, with the breed, the guy bought the guy bought Amos from Kristen Afferberg. He, you know, he's he's dedicated as you can be. He's got some fine, fine plots over there that I, you know, which was why I was excited, you know. And then you've got guys like, you know, Egil uh, uh, Sonbakken. He's got a beautiful, beautiful line of plots that he's uh, that he's developing, and you know they're they're looking absolutely really nice. And you know, some more some more of these Swedish guys, Frederick Linna and his brother, you know, imported some good dogs from Gary Hosker, and they've they've done some great things. They imported a female named Heidi. I guess not this past season, but the year before, and. That dog blew, uh, that dog hit Swedish ground just a few days before the season started. So, I mean, it was jet, must have been still jet lagged, hadn't, didn't understand the language, didn't understand anything, had never seen a brown bear and just blew every other dog they had out of the water. Just, I mean, just a (laughs) fantastically good dog. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's really cool to see just in just in the short time that I've been sort of aware of the plot over here. It's been very cool to see how much progress the breed has made. Because well, because of, of you guys, man, and all those guys you mentioned, and yourself, and everybody else that's working as a team to get it done. And again, I just. You know, please, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting any of those gentlemen, but extend my sincere thanks to all of them because, um, you know, it's, can't do it without them. Can't do it without you. I mean, it's it's, it's all part of the, the program. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I, I appreciate that, you know, but it's, as you say, we we all stand on the shoulders of, of the of people who have, you know, come before us, people like yourself and, and, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, I think that's what makes the plot hound breed for me, uh, so so fascinating and so kind of fills me with enthusiasm about it is that, you know, there's, there's a history there. The history is so rich and you can yes you know you can read about these people you know i've I've tried to you know i'm i'm a history guy so you know i've tried to find information about you know read read books about you know the history of other dog breeds you know the history of beagles the history of the you know the july the july walkers and you know and running walkers Mm -hmm. tree walking you know tree tree walker coon hounds and things like that and just because I find it interesting and there's just it's so diffuse and so diluted um and uh, are diluted I not not diluted but uh, diluted you know it's 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 hard to find it's hard to find any of that information out there and you know you you can find some of it but the it's kind of questionable in origin and and you know that's what's so fun to me about the plot breed is you know I, I can sit down and read you know read one of your books and read about you know read about uh, Tig or 
you know, pistol packing mama and be like, look at the genetics in my dogs and be like, okay, all the way back. Okay. Yep. Oh, darn. I'll be darned there. There they are. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, it's the coolest thing. You know, it's, it's the coolest thing. Well, it's, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's for me, it's, and I, you know, tell people this all the time and start my programs out talking about this is that, you know, when you, it's a story of the plot breed that sets it apart, period. Mm-hmm. I think you can, you can sit there and, you know, we can talk about tenacity and nose and stamina and athleticism and all those other great attributes that we know these dogs have. And they do, you know, they have that in spades, but, you know, there's other other great dog breeds that have some of those attributes as well. So I'm I'm not so naive as to sit here and say, oh, that the Pothound's the only big game dog in the world. It's not. Of course it's not. I I think it's the best, just because of personal bias probably. But right. but uh, the the story the the story is just so unique and it's so classic Americana that that you know I think it just sets it really apart. And the other thing there that I tried to, you know, I think this is what I see in you and what I saw in you from the start and these other guys too is, you know, one thing I really, really, really tried to do in my books, in my articles, but particularly in my books, is don't hear me talk about me very much. You know, I mean, we're talking about it today, but I mean, but as far as in writing, you know, those six books, there's not much of anything in there about me because I don't want that. It's not about me. It's not about anything about me. Other than I'm just trying, I'm a historian. I'm just trying to record the history correctly, tell the story correctly and as honestly and objectively as I can. Right. And, you know, and I think that's the problem you run into when you run into some of these other histories, you run into some of these other message boards and some of these other magazine articles is that people are just more naked about them. You know, it's, let me tell you how great I am. Let me tell you how many bears I've killed. Let me tell you how many bears I've treated and how awesome I am, how many right. world champion dogs I have and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I can't tell you, I always really try to, just like when you first contacted me, anybody that makes a genuine effort to contact me, I'll always respond. But, you know, it got to the point where I have to be very selective. I mean, I'll answer any email and any message. I won't answer all calls that I get simply because I've learned over the years that, you know, I'll get somebody to call and leave a message and say something effective. Listen, I've just got to ask you one question. I just need one question. I've got a question I want to talk to you about, about this particular, you know, what dog I have and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And so I'll call the guy back and two hours later, all I've heard is him tell me how great he is and how great his dogs are. I'm like, what was the question? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact you're proud of your dogs. And I appreciate the fact you campaigned them hard and, and that they're, they've had success. But, you know, come on. You know, it's, it's isn't about you and it's not about me either. You know, so yep. I think when we lose, as long as we keep that in perspective and don't lose sight of the fact and don't make it about us, then that's where we're going to be successful and where we have been successful, you know? And I think that's why you guys have been so successful in what you're doing over there. And I like to think it's what will be a success I've had. And hopefully it's for a lot of that same reason, because 
you know, I, I take no credit for any of it, man. I mean, I, I just happened to be born in a family that started it, and I'm proud of it, and I want to do the best I can to perpetuate it. But it's like I tell people in the programs, you know, my, my third great-grandfather and his wildest dreams never would have imagined that this thing had, would have turned out the way it has. But, um, but I'm, sure he, he, I'm sure he'd be proud that it has, yeah, and and that's really all I want. You know, that's a, I just want to make him proud and make the people whose shoulders I stand on proud, and 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 represent them in such a way that that give them the credit that they deserve, and give the dogs the credit they deserve. You know, so yeah. um, that's that's what's all about to me. Period. I mean, that just kind of sums it up for me. I mean, it just it's when you get away from that, it just you know it cheapens it to me. Yeah, you know, I I I can see what you're saying, and I and I I agree. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, you know, it, there's been a couple guys over here who like Rasmus, who they've been breeding long enough so that they, I mean they could, they've done enough so that they could have a very solid argument for their own line at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. but the credit, I mean, Rasmus has been, it was one of the first things he said was that, you know, his dogs came from Steve Moore. And I mean, that was back in 1993. Right. You know, that mm-hmm. was a while ago. And yet, you know, he, that's yeah. still what he says, that, that he doesn't take credit he, he's such a humble guy. He doesn't take credit f- for it. And the same with, with John Steiner. You know, he got a couple dogs from Steve Moore, but a lot of his dogs came from John Lockhart. And he's going to be the first guy, you know, he, that is going to be the first thing he says is, yeah. you know, where do your dogs come from? You know, the standard answer for a lot of people would be like, oh, I bred this dog. Be like, okay, well, you know, oh yeah, where did yeah. its parents come from? Oh, well, it came from, you know, blah, blah. And you kind of have to dig to get, you know, people, people want to hop on and they want to have their own, their own lines. And, you know, I saw it in the sled dog community as well, that people would have, you know, they'd put their kennel name before every puppy that was ever born, even if none of the parents were originally from their kennel. And, you know, that's one of the things I just appreciate about so many of the, so many of the plot people is that they're so proud of their dogs and they're so proud of the history that it's not, they're not afraid, ashamed or anything to say, you know, 30 years after they imported the dog to be like, you know, this dog, you know, my, my line goes back to Ursus or my line goes back to, you know, Gola Ferguson or, you know, it's, it's, or Von Plot or, you know, or anybody. It's, yeah. it's this, it's this great aspect yeah. of it that it, it seems like the history is actually so rich that it keeps you humble in some way. I think with the, with the right people and the good people, it does. I, I, I really believe that. I mean, I think, you know, as you, like we talked about earlier, if you can keep the egos out of it, I think you will see that because I think, you know, as you said, I mean, Charles Gant told me one time he's dead now too, but he was so right. And Ron Plot told me the same thing. He said, you know, if 
when you got some dogs and you're not real happy with them, if you want to create your own, you know, plot line, so to speak, you know, still it, you got to have foundation stock from somebody, you know what, you know, so it, it took to be a purebred dog, mm-hmm. but you know, it will take you a minimum, a minimum of 25 to 30 years to do that. And, you know, those guys that you just mentioned have done that. So, you know, by all rights, they could say, well, this is, you know, my line, mm-hmm. but they're smart and they're, and that they don't, and that they are the foundation stock. But you know, they deserve a lot of credit too. And but I think that's you know that's kind of what Gant did. You know, he he said, okay, he he'd gotten some dogs from a lot of different people, and they'd had mixed amount of success, and he wanted something a little bit more consistent. And and he he set out to do it, and he did. And then he put in a lot of you know training techniques, and I'm using that term loosely. Training techniques that Ron Plot adhered to, and a lot of the Plot family members adhered to, mm-hmm. and that he didn't start a dog out too young on big game. You know, I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make, and people criticize me for this, but I don't care. You know, they want to start a pup out, you know, there, and you can't do that. Yep. Or you can, and sometimes you may get by with it, but more times than not, you're going to get a dog killed or hurt badly or. As an old timer called it, get dog buffalo where he won't want to hunt a bear anymore, you know? Yeah. So, um, oh, like Ron Platt told me one time, he said, he said, you know, you don't send a boy out to fight a full grown man. And yeah. so, you know, he said, you don't send a pup out to, to hunt a bear. So it's, it's the same thing. And I think, you know, those guys, you know, subscribe heavily to the point of, you know, you're going to at least a year old. In some cases, a year and a half old, where you're going to put them by themselves on big game, right. and I think that's right, you know. And and so, I think again, like I say, it's just an ego, you know. If the guys who are in it for the right reasons and doing it for the right reasons are just like you, just like those gentlemen you mentioned, and I just got nothing but respect. Um, whereas the people who are just like me, 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 me what I did, this is my dog, it's the greatest, I got the best kennel, I got, you know, I treat so many bears, I've killed more bears than anybody else, Right. my breeding program's so strong, you know, I heard an idiot tell me one time, you know, he called more, more, his, his program was so strong that he, breeding program was so strong that he called more pups than he kept, and I said, well, you know, he said, what do you think about that? I said, I think just the opposite, I think your breeding program sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've, I heard, uh, I've, you know, I, I listen to a lot of these podcasts, as well, you know, apart from making them, I also listen to a bunch of them, and I've, I've heard a couple people who have, come, who have said similar things, and it's just been like, huh, that, that's not, uh, that, that's not what I'd be hoping for, you know, it's, it's, but the... I mean, nobody will have a hundred percent success, I get that, but, you know, Bud Lyon told me one time, he's going directly from the long too. You know, if, if, if you can't get, once you get it dialed in and you start with that right kind of foundation stock, if you don't, if you aren't having, you know, 90% success rate, 85, 90% success rate off every litter, you know, probably you ought to really look at, reevaluate what you're doing, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's right. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I also think that that's, 
why you know and this is kind of a, a I also think it's why it's so important to have the people breeding the dogs hunting the dogs as well. Yeah. You know, because yes. like I saw yes. it with the sled dogs too, that, you know, I bred from my needs in my area with my own sensibilities and, you know, what I was looking for in a dog. And, you know, I mm-hmm. did that for 20 years or not, not quite that much, I guess, 15 years. And, you know, had a lot of, lot of litters where it was like one pup out of the litter would kind of, would be able to hang after a few years and then, you know, kept working on it and got to the point where, you know, by the end there, the whole, the whole litter, you know, I was getting up into that, you know, 80, 90% where the, the whole litter was hanging in there. And, you know, if I'd just been doing it off of paper, some of the best litters I had on paper ended up just being complete garbage. Right. You know, and I, so I, and, yeah, it's, uh, I'd, I'd much rather well, get, I'm just gonna say, I go for it. No, I'm, I'm just going to say, I, I don't know how it is with sled dogs, but I think another mistake people make too sometimes is, is that, you know, my experience anyway has been, and that's all it is, is my experience, but talking a lot of other people have had the same experience, you know, you maybe in the course of your lifetime, and I'm getting to be pretty old, you you may have that, what we call once in a lifetime or generational type dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have a handful of those, two or three of them if you're lucky, that can really do it all. You know, it's got a good strike, good strike dog, good trail dog, good type dog, mm-hmm. you know, good tree dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but more often than not, what you're going to find is, is it's kind of like a football team. You're going to have uh, different skill sets. Yep. You're going to have one that maybe is a, a, a great strike dog. You may have one that's a better pack dog. You may have one that's a better tree dog. And, you know, you kind of use them as part of your, you know, of course you can't do that because you're only able to help with one dog. So you really do have to have a multi-purpose dog. But, right. you know, here in America, you can, you can, if you go turn loose three, three or four dogs, you know, they can all have, you want to start with that spike dog on the trail. One can stay with it. And then, you, you know, you pack the other dogs to it. And, and hopefully they've all tenacious enough and greedy enough to stay at the tree, too. But, uh, but you know, it's kind of like building a football team. You've got to have a good offensive line. You've got to have good running backs. You've got to have a good quarterback. got to have good receivers. you got to have a good defense. Right, yeah. The same thing. And so you can have a good litter of pups that, the whole litter may not be that those once in a lifetime dogs, but they can still be good dogs. And then when you have that once in a lifetime dog or that generational dog, then you appreciate it even more and you, you understand it even more. Right. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's something that I hope, I hope to get to that point in with the plots eventually is get to the point where, I have, uh, or, you know, I get to see that in the plot world as well. Cause I, you know, I had, I had two, I was lucky enough in the 25 years I did, do- I was running sled dogs. I had two that were once in a lifetime type dogs, you yeah. know, be- better than, 
better than, you know, I've run thousands of dogs and these two were head and shoulders above everything else I've ever run. And yeah, yeah. You know, if I can, I would be tickled pink if I could experience that in the, uh, with a plot, you know, before I get too beat up to (laughs) keep up with them anymore. You know, it's, it's, um, well, I think you're heading in the right direction, though, babe. Because I mean, it's that I think it was the first dog I read about the my article, not your latest one, Amos, but the other one that stayed on the trail for like two days or something like that. I mean, yeah, yeah, um, hold on, yeah. Dan, Dan John Steiner that's has a, that's it. He was, I mean, well, I Dan's, say, that's uh, an exceptional dog right there. He's yeah. an except. He was an exception, or he is an exceptional dog. He's his issue is that, um, you know, John Steiner has him now and is is working on getting him uh, focused on bear. He's he's gritty. He's determined. He's got a good nose on him. That's not the issue. Dan's issue is that mm-hmm. is that I he got on a moose when he was a pup that kicked him in the oh. face. Okay. And, you know, he was four or five months old and, you know, I was just out kind of walking with him and, you know, at just moment of moment where I was not on him like I should be and was getting back to the car and unhooked him at the car and was getting ready to, you know, jump him up into the car and turn around and he was gone. And, you know, it took me like an hour to find him. And, you know, I was walking the trail, you know, walking his tracks. It was still snow on the ground early spring. And, uh, you know, got to an area where I could see very clearly that he was running a moose. And the moose had stood. And around that moose was this big circle where Dan had been running around. And uh, when I got there, they weren't there anymore. But leading from that spot was... You know, there was a lot of blood on the ground and there was quite a bit of blood leading from that spot, but I could still hear him. So I got into him and, you know, here's this five month old pup who has this, you know, mostly grown moose backed up into the bushes. And this moose is just with this panicked look on his face, like, what the heck is this? And Dan is losing his mind, bleeding from both nostrils. And that unfortunately seemed to be the defining moment in his life because since then he can be running, he can be, he can be sight chasing a brown bear. And if he crosses a moose track, he'll break off and go and chase that moose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it created this just revenge, hate relationship with moose that, you know, he's, he's intense on bear. He is. But the second he gets on a moose, it's just like he kicks it into a different gear and it just becomes this demonic being. And uh, it's, it's creating problems because he's derailing, you know, with that one of the one of the rules is that once you drop dogs on a bear, you can't use motorized transport to get in front of them. You've got to wait for them to, you've got to either have already placed people out, you know, placed shooters out 
along, you know, likely lines of travel. Or you've got to wait for the dogs to, you know, in the brown bears don't really tree. So, you know, in this case, it'd be wait for the dogs to to stop the bear. So get it stopped and and, and be kind of facing it on the ground. Um, so when Dan breaks off and goes after Moose, they need to keep focused on the dogs that have the bear. And, you know, it can be it can be hours before they get in there and get him off of it. And we're not allowed to use shock collars here, so you can't even shock, shock him off of it. So he's had hours to just reinforce this bad behavior. It's a it's a rough situation um, that uh, that that John is in right now with him, and uh, he's he's still working with him, which uh, I'm thrilled to see. John's a John's a good good dog trainer, and I, I you know. I'm... Well, keep keep me posted on that. I'd be interested to see. I mean, you know, on one hand, I, you know. I, I admire the dog a lot because, you know, just for obvious reasons. Yeah. But um, you, can cer- you can certainly see that, I don't know, plot, plot dogs are like plot men. They're stubborn and they're persistent and they're right. uh, hold grudge. I think they hold grudges, to be honest with you. And, uh, but I, by the same token, I think, you know, this perfectly illustrates what we were talking about earlier. I mean, through no fault of your own, just a, you know, simple accident, you know, that pup gets kind of scarred for life because of that, you yep. know what I mean? He, he's, he's so gritty, he's going to sit there and go up against a, you know, a huge animal and get hurt in the process, but he's, he's not going to back up. And yep. and so often, the opposite of that happens. A lot of times, they won't even want to hunt anything because they're kind of like, oh man, this is what happens when you hunt, you know, I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. I don't want to get killed. And so the fact that he's overcome that says a lot about the dog right there. But, it does. Um, yeah. It, but you know, again, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think it perfectly illustrates why, you know, you got to be careful. And, and again, obviously you, that, 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 that wasn't your intention. It just happened. It could happen to anybody. I think dogs get away from me many times. Lost a good dog like that one time, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so it's, you know, that's, that, that, that's really interesting. I keep me posted on how that goes. I'm like, um, I, I hope you, uh, hope you can be reached trains, so to speak. I hope so too. Yeah. I'll definitely keep you posted on that. If anybody can do it, it's going to be John. He's, he's, he's such a solid dog trainer. You know, I've, I've known a lot of dog trainers through. Yeah, I think. All my all my years with the sled dogs. I'd be interested. And, I'd be. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how you know if he is successful with it, and I'm sure he will be. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see how he approached that because that that would be a that'd be a tough nut to crack. Yeah, you know, because it's it's one of those things where you know with with these dogs, in some ways, you know, with these plots, in some ways, you got to be, you know, it, when it comes down to a when it comes down to it, sometimes you just kind of got to dig your heels in and, and kind of out stubborn them, which for a plot that can be darn hard to do. And, uh, and I think if anybody can, it's going to be John, but it's, you know, with, with Dan, it's like, that is the, that is the most stubborn dog I have ever seen. And he's proven to me (laughs) twice that, you know, he will, you know, he's stubborn to the point where he will, he'll die before he'll, he'll give up. You know, he, because he was the dog that ran off, you know, and it was, it was cold and he was gone hunting actively 
for two and a half days. He, I dropped him on Sunday. I remember, I remember that, man. Yeah, yeah, Sunday morning dropped him and didn't get him back until Tuesday at about midnight. And he had been hunting crazy, the man. entire time. And I had the GPS track to prove it and the bark counter on his, uh, on his collar, you know, I had that set. So the sensitivity wasn't super high because, you know, the, I didn't want it picking up crunching snow and things like that. Plus whenever Dan opened his mouth, there was no question that he was barking. So the sensitivity could be pretty low, you know, cause he had such a huge voice and, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it was, tw- it was like 25,714 barks over those days and he'd been it was just I mean, unbelievable crazy. yeah crazy and you know came back you know having not eaten anything it'd been blowing it was cold midwinter here so he had frostbite on his knees and on his you know his equipment and then on his ball was, i mean he was using you know physically rough shape and was just like you know still barked his head off the whole way home you know was striking from the truck on things on the way home you know it's just an insane insane individual so you know if uh i i say if anybody's going to get through to uh to old dan it's going to be it's going to be john steinar but if any dog can ever out stubborn john steinar uh wouldn't it's going to be old dan you know it's one of those the immovable object you know meets the unstoppable force i'm gonna, i'm going to be real interested to see who comes out on top there too well uh, regardless i mean it's it's, it's still exceptional though no doubt i mm-hmm. mean it's uh certainly that that's you know that the loose aspect of it's concerned but uh, man one dog i mean that's definitely one of those generational type dogs you know for sure yeah and, uh, i i I, 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 I can't wait to see how it turns out for you. Yeah, I'm going to be interested in that as well. I'm going to be interested in that as well. It's uh, that's going to be exciting. But tell let's uh, before we wrap up here, I want to give people. I want to make sure that everybody gets all the information they need uh, about this. Uh, you know about your company, but also about uh, the plot fest. Where where can people find more information about your company specifically? And the events that you guys are putting. Yeah, thank you for all. Yeah, thanks for allowing us to do that. Go to uh, mountainmemoriesproductions.com. All, you know, lowercase word together, mountainmemoriesproductions.com. That's the website. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Instagram and Facebook pages, same, same name. And you go on there and you'll see what you'll find on the website is you'll find a whole list of events that we're doing throughout the year, uh, partner venues that people that we partner with in terms for our concerts and that programs and that sort of thing, as well as uh, artists that we feature, musical artists and, and historical artists that we feature. We have some Cherokee storytellers and some uh, great uh, foragers and people who can go in the woods and identify medicinal herbs and plants and that sort of thing. So we got some really cool things on that too. So there's a whole lot of stuff on the website. The website's being updated weekly for as we add things and, and take away things from it. And so you can find out a lot there. We're posting on Facebook and Instagram daily. 
again, same name there. And of course, I have the fans of Bob Plot's books page on Facebook, the Bob Plot author and historian page, and my own personal page that people are free to comment on. And there's also a Plot Fest 2023 Facebook page that folks can check in on too. Okay. So there's Great. a wealth of information. I and I have my, I have my own website too that means it's badly outdated, but just bobplot.com has some old historical pictures and some um, programs and stuff that we've done in the past and are still doing. Okay. Um, we're, and we'll be adding. We've got a, a ton of vintage photos on the um, the Mountain Memories Productions dot com site too. So okay, cool. And I, I'm not really adept and all this stuff but there's also on all those pages there's this um you know now you've got your iphones and your all your types of cell phones that you can just you know scan scan on them and the scan will tell you where about you know what the okay. prices are for uh for competition events and that sort of thing cool. um, schedules and and all sorts of things like that so we've got a really great and a lady named Maggie Rainwater who's doing a ton of good stuff for us on our website. So she does a superb job with that. Excellent. And her social media too. Cool. Okay. Well I'll I'll put links to all of this, your your um you know, the Facebook pages and the uh, Instagram and the website in the episode notes of this episode. Um so anybody who wants more information can go um, can click on those links and they'll take you right there. And the plot fest or Plottoberfest, when is when's that happening? October fifth through eighth, twenty twenty three. Mm. It will be in Soils Park in Canton, North Carolina, which is in Haywood County, where Plot Dog really became famous, and really only about uh, two or three miles from where he first settled. The first year he was in Haywood County before he moved on to Plot Creek. So it's real it's an area real rich in plot history. It's very accessible. It's right in downtown Canton, so there's a lot of great restaurants and um, shops and stuff nearby in addition to the vendors and concerts and things that we'll have cool. going on there and all the plot plot dog events. Okay. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. I'm I'm looking so much forward to that. It's gonna be the first time I've have been back in the States for Oh, yeah. Too many years at this point with COVID and everything. So I'm, uh, I am so excited to get there and, uh, I'm gonna, so come on. Anybody who's listening who wants to come, just come on down, say hi to Bob, say hi to me, say hi to get to see some really amazing animals, do some really amazing things. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and you know, we'll, we'll make sure you get a good tour of all the local historical sites too and stuff when you come. And oh, it'll be great that. having you with us, man. I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you with us. I'm excited about it as well. I'm excited about it as well. Well, Bob, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm glad, uh, glad you're still with us, and glad to hear that you're still, uh, still being, uh, you know, ambassador and 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 uh proponent of the of the, of the breed it would have been a you know it's we've the covid really did a number on the plot people I th- it would have been uh even i'm real glad it didn't take you as well so 
appreciate well, you so taking the time and to come I, on. I appreciate yeah. you. Uh, appreciate your kind words. Appreciate all that you do, and appreciate you having me on here again. I guess it's, like you say, it's the third time, but it's an honor and a pleasure each time. And thanks for all you guys are doing too. Really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Pr- appreciate you as well. And this won't be the last time I'll have you on here. Number number three, Sounds ready to good, come. My friend. Sounds good. All right. All right. I'll, I'll hold you to that. Thank you so much. Man, I love that sound.